Hello, welcome to Campfire Football. This is episode two, and today we're going to talk about the second round of Boxing Day matches, because there's not a whole lot else going on in the world of football right now. Did mention Turkish League, so if you're interested in the Turkish League, go ahead. Again, I just focused on the Premier League, and it can all be classified to me as today's games as game of two halves. Almost every single one of the games today fell in that kind of fell into that cliche. So, I hope you enjoy. We're going to get into all 5 of the matches right now. Yeah, there were 4. All right. So, first match of the day Leeds Burnley, 5 a.m. for me. Um I was dozing in and out for most of the first half, but I did you know, gather and see that Leeds were sort of on top, playing better. Loved Bamford's goal. The penalty is just very well taken. It's kind of funny to see so many players trying, you know, to hit a ball down the middle or to sell the goalkeeper, and this guy just smashes one in the top corner. Done. Terrific. Um, so the game of two halves thing has been extremely common. It, I, it feels like it happens every match day, and it feels like half of the games have – a very clear tide in the first half, and then the momentum totally changes. And it's happening frequently, which is making games really exciting, to be honest. Uh, happened again today. Burnley in the second half really just turned the screw. They just played much, much better. They had a lot more energy. They just tactically started to boss Leeds a little bit. But what Leeds did was they kept surviving. They fought and, and were gritty as well, and... You know, the outcome of this game was that there weren't going to be very many goals left, right? Unlike Leeds commonly, who seem to outshoot and outscore a lot of the teams they play, today they were outshot by Burnley. And in the end, there was a disallowed goal. So Burnley really should have been awarded a goal. The ball came into the box. Ben Mee's looking at it. Meslier just crushes him in the back trying to punch the ball, drops it. The rebound gets knocked in, but the ref has already blown the whistle for a foul. Okay, let's just go ahead and make this clear. I don't think that that was a foul, but it so frequently gets called when you touch a goalkeeper and they fall down, there's this big protection for the goalies. Well, the guy did also come 15 yards outside of his goal to jump in the air and land on someone. So the call was wrong. What I found really interesting was the criticism of the referee at halftime on NBCSN you have Rebecca Lowe, Robbie Earl, and Danny Higginbotham saying, you know, this guy, it's only his fourth Premier League match. And, you know, maybe he's not experienced or good enough to be in the Premier League yet. I mean, this argument is something that gets trotted out every time there's referees who are somewhat new, who have a difficult day, right? And I don't really know how these people are actually supposed to get to the level if every time someone new comes along, you blame a bad decision on the fact that they're not good enough and therefore and don't have the experience and should not be there. Also, if refs are not as good as they used to be, it is because there are fewer and we are not helping them stay in the game. I mean, ask any kid who plays, do you want to be a referee? The vast majority of them say no because they don't want to get yelled at. And if you watch the abuse that referees get you know, at the highest levels and think of how that trickles down through the entire ladder of football. I mean, of course, we're not going to get top level people. And to hear 
and I'll get into this one day in a little bit more detail, but to hear ex-pros consistently say that they think referees should be people who played the game and they're complaining about that and not a single one of them actually goes and does that, it says a lot to me. Um, and so that's a conversation that I'd like to have in a lot more depth at a later time, and I will. So we'll move on from that. I did also want to mention Sean Deitch's quote at the end. He said, I don't know where the game is physically anymore. Um, and he's right. He's right. We, we don't really know what a foul is or is not. A few weeks ago, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored late in the first half against Burnley. And in the buildup, there was you know sort of a coming together of two players, a shoulder-to-shoulder thing, which that's what it looked like to me. But that gets called all the time. And in that one instance, it was let go, and then it ends in a goal. So you can see how a guy like Sean Deitch at this point, and all coaches, and I will touch on this with Jurgen Klopp a little bit later as well, but I think they're getting really frustrated by what is and what is not a foul. And everything seems to be bought, and everything seems to be based on the reaction of the player trying to get the foul and whether or not the bench and the players on the field and the coaches go nuts. I mean, that you know, talked about it yesterday, that seems to be a pervasive thing that just is getting in the way. All right. Pervasive. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Moving on. West Ham Brighton. Uh, This had the makings of being the worst game of the day, especially by halftime when it was 1-0 Brighton. West Ham just weren't playing well. And Brighton were doing fine and had the lead and looked good. It needed something... It needed something. It needed West Ham to make some sort of inroad in the game, and that's exactly what they did. They came back a lot more energy. Ben Johnson, congratulations to the young man, scored his first goal. for He's a West Ham boy, um, came through their academy and scored his first goal today, so great moment for him, teenager. Uh, Thomas Susek is the other one that I want to give some credit to here because the impact he has had at West Ham has been enormous. I mean, ever since he came... Last season, he has been scoring a lot of goals or being involved in a lot of goals on set pieces. So credit to West Ham, David Moyes, for doing that and 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 making it a better game. Again, game of two halves. It was very bizarre. Brighton in the first, West Ham much better in the second. 2-2, a fair result, and turned out to actually be a pretty decent watch. Uh, game of the day for me, Liverpool-West Brom. And I think everyone pretty much assumed, okay, Liverpool are probably going to dominate this one which they absolutely did but the domination that they had I think it lulled them into a sense of comfort that we found at the end of the game they just they didn't deserve to have Liverpool I think in the first half they were told to just come on attack us just come on attack us and so it was fascinating. First half was completely different than the second. Again, game of two halves. Uh, so with this game, a couple of things I want to mention. Um, it's the tactical game of the day. Sam Allardyce really, really impressed me. He's been out of the picture really since he got the England job. And then there were quotes where he was explaining sort of what, how, how people go around um, certain rules in the FA. And it was caught... Uh, on a hot mic, and he got fired. The problem is that what he said was completely factual and correct and legitimate, and so he he probably should have been the English manager at the World Cup. 
But he lost his job. He's been out of the picture since. And he's come back. And he's got West Brom. This is the guy who's never been relegated from the Premier League. And he deserves a lot of credit. If you don't know much about Sam Allardyce, when he came into the league with Bolton, he was one of the first managers to really push sports scientists. He was also way more into analytics and stats than anybody. He was really the, the driving force behind that. If you remember back when he was at Bolton, there were times where he would be sitting up in the high decks um, in box seats watching the game with like a little earpiece and a, and a mic talking to his assistant down on the field. So Sam Allardyce has always been interesting. The way he's managed teams for years, he deserves a lot of credit. And today, I got to say, this was, from a coach's perspective, this was excellent. He basically had his entire – all 11 players – back within 30 yards of the goal. They played with two banks of five, and they didn't change that. At no point did they really go attack in the first half. I mean, it was really, really damage limitation. Now, damage limitation because last week Crystal Palace got beat 7-1 by Liverpool, so you want to limit the damage. And on top of that, you can gain a lot by staying in a game. I mean, you can gain confidence. You can gain, you know, you can avoid a goal difference getting out of hand, right, by not getting beat so badly. And also, he's got this team, this is the first game, he wants to work on this defensive team shape. He's not trying to worry about can we get a nick a result against Liverpool necessarily. He's like, no, we're going to run the game plan all game. They got scored on 1-0. They didn't change a thing, not until halftime. And at halftime, Harlan Grant started to actually play as a solo forward and started making more runs. So they really just conserved their energy in the first half to be able to start unsettling Liverpool in the second half. And when you're still in the game at 1-0, that's actually a good way to go. And the tension started to rise at Anfield. You could tell the small amount of fans that were in the cop were starting to get tense. They were starting to get anxious. The chances weren't that good, right? A lot They weren't that clear. And West Brom was just starting to inch their way into the game. And you kind of had a feeling, if Liverpool don't score another one, West Brom will get an opportunity. They'll get a set piece, they'll get a corner, they'll get something. And they did, they scored, and at the end, I, I mean, I just wrote in my notebook, I was like, this is a long con. This was total smash and grab. Allardyce had to, I mean, he thought this one all the way through, and it came off. And I, I, just huge credit to him and his team for that. That was really amazing. Um, two things that I think were also – there's three little other points about the coverage here. So first of all, Jurgen Klopp started to get really, really, really annoyed. Uh, there was a – the referee called a foul that wasn't. There were plenty of those in this game where the referee called something that just was soft. And Jurgen Klopp went nuts on the sideline, got really upset, pissed, started yelling, screaming. Referee gives him a yellow card. After the match, th- again, the people in the studio at, MS- at NBCSN, they they talked about it as in, oh, this is some big thing. He's upset about the five subs. He's upset about this and that. I think just look at that game in an isolated way. Some of the decisions the referee was making were – so frustrating. They were so frustrating, right? And it's it's not enjoyable to have to, – to know you want a ball fairly and to have a referee call a foul, and it happens repeatedly. You just start getting annoyed. So that's, I think, where Jurgen Klopp was with that. They, they made a – they started going on and on about it. They covered it on goal zone afterwards. It was just – they won't stop. 
they also love to cover You'll Never Walk Alone. I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but my goodness, the uh, the Liverpool fan base, I think, has a really, really strong impression on what the broadcasters at NBCSN feel they need to show. And look, I'm very happy that we can watch the crowd singing at the beginning of the game instead of them cramming in one more commercial. But do we see any other club? Do we get to watch their fans you know, sing songs at the beginning of a match where the commentators and everyone are just quiet and the, pa- and the camera's rolling around like it's a national anthem at the World Cup? And that's how they treat You'll Never Walk Alone. And it's the only club that gets that. So, look. It's not a conspiracy to me. I don't know. It's. I think that the coverage of Liverpool coming, winning this title, first time in 30 years, everything, I think that's gotten everyone. This storyline is so pleasing to everyone that they love showing that moment. And, and it is impressive. It is impressive. Not taking anything away from it. All right, Wolves-Spurs. Yeah, another game of two halves. Spurs better in the first. Wolves better in the second. Game ends 1-1. And it really wasn't that good of a game. It was a little bit rough. So uh, really the point, the topic I wanted to mention on this game is Tangi and Dombele, who today had a run where he looked like a vintage Michael Essien. It was absolutely terrific. And I love Tangi and Dombele. I think he's a great player. And I just think he's gotten a lot of unnecessary flack. I think if you remember maybe during the COVID lockdown, Mourinho went to his house, told him to come downstairs. They went to a park to go train. And then... You know, Mourinho, of course, he got he got a bunch of flack for that. But so did Ndombele. And it's like, you know, I just don't really understand why we have to go and try and cut these guys down. And it's taken a long time for him being at Tottenham for him to finally start getting respect. And the reality is he's a very good player and it's clear and obvious, right? And now Mourinho's starting to get a real tune out of him and he's been playing a lot this season and he looks great. So... Once again, everyone who wrote him off at the beginning of the season or thought that he was just a bad attitude guy who doesn't really care about rules or about the club or the team, I I would say you've been checked. That's what I would say. All right. Aside from that, there's not a whole lot more to talk about today. I am going to leave you all with a little recommendation on football365.com. There is an article called Bielsa Keeps Leeds Critics Happy by Rolling the Deitch. Um, this is a really interesting article about uh, sort of the criticism that you know, Marcelo Bielsa has been getting all season and how no matter what you do sometimes as a coach, you can't make people happy. They're always going to find something to gripe about in terms of the way you play and, and the results you get. Uh, I do think it's very interesting. So yeah, Bielsa keeps Leeds critics happy by rolling the dice on football365.com. Tomorrow I will do a little mini episode about that and break it down and sort of what I think it means. All right. Happy weekend, everybody. 